street cred, skate culture, scarcity, and stock prices? Today, we're talking about Supreme. I'm Chaz, he's Britt, and this is The Furious Curious. Let me go establish this. Supreme is the best. So I put Supreme on my shirt, it's on my chest. You gotta have Supreme or you will be a hater because you know Supreme is super elevated. This is Supreme, the streetwear brand that's rapidly changing the retail industry. People have broken into fights, waited hours, and entered lotteries just to get inside. While clothing stores are shuttering all over the world, Supreme is expanding. And the main reason is these guys, better known as hype beasts. With its limited production, Supreme is known for creating scarcity with each release. And with no paid marketing whatsoever, Supreme has grown from a small underground streetwear brand into a $1 billion global phenomenon. All right, Chaz, I got a question for you off the bat. Hit me. What does Travis Scott and Victoria Beckham have in common besides both being musicians? Uh, you have 10 I'm gonna, seconds. I'm going to punt on this. Um, affinity for McDonald's. Ooh, that's cl- Oh, I could perhaps. Uh, uh, like cr- a crossover celeb multi-hyphenate. They both wear Supreme. Variations okay. of the same look at that. So today we are talking about Supreme. So Chaz, tell us about Supreme. Sure. I mean, f- for novices... Or anyone hiding under a rock. Uh, so th- this this iconic red logo has been increasingly appearing in the la- in skate culture, but also streetwear culture in the last sort of decade and change. Yeah. But it actually goes back. Uh, launched in New York City in April of '94 as a skateboard lifestyle brand. Uh, it's really been at the I guess the the tip of the spear of skate and street hip hop culture and youth yeah. culture in general. Uh, the brand produces clothes and accessories and also manufactures skateboards. You you must have seen this logo. It's very iconic now. It's almost mm-hmm. as iconic in sort of major cities, certainly New York, the coastal cities in the US, certainly in parts of Japan, certainly in parts of London, uh, as this iconic red box with Supreme and I believe it's Futura Bold. It's yep. very iconic. It's very visible. J.R. Smith, the basketball player for the Lakers, actually has a Supreme tattoo, which he re- is required mm. to cover up due to league stipulations. Uh-huh. Um, so it, it's all over the place. But we we wanted to do this just because it's been popping in culture. And last week, or the last couple of weeks, it was actually acquired by VF Corp, which also owns an, a, a bunch of other streetwear sca- staples, including the North Face, including Dickies, and a range of others. So uh, Vans they, as well. So they, oh yeah, so. We'll get into the the acquisition, which is very unskater. I know they started as a skate brand, but like, you know, they've worked with some of our generations, you know, most groundbreaking designers, artists, photographers, musicians, you know, all have helped, you know, continue to define this like unique identity that they've built and this attitude. And it, it, you know, to me, you know, I think one of the reasons why we're talking about it, because it is, it is the definition of streetwear. And in many ways, it's kind of the force that continues to bless the street streetwear world um you know over and over again carrying it to the next generation you know obviously you know it's james jebbia you know he's in his 50s but you know it's a lot of gen z it's a lot of like a lot of young you know 18 to 24 i think is like the main the, the you know the main demographic of people who wear this there'll never be another supreme and it's just a unique phenomenon which is why we're talking about it but as as you as as we talked about what's really interesting to them is like you know their their products are super limited they're super random now too. Yep. And, you know, they sell out quickly. That's part of, you know, we'll get into, you know, the, one, 
I think the strategy behind that. But mm. I thought, you know, Chaz, as we were digging into this, I got really kind of excited about the, this narrative. It, you know, it kind of came about really, uh, Jebbia, is it Jebbia? Is that I, how you say I, it? I believe so correct I, us if we're wrong but yeah we, and you you can troll the heck out of us if we're saying this wrong just to show up <laughs> anyway but you know when he was a teenager you know he uh grew, you know was born in the u.s but you know grew up in west uh, sussex in in the uk in the 80s and he worked at a duracell factory and you know was doing that and then you know he spent his spare cash going on trips to london to buy clothes and it was there he got he kind of fell in love with this certain elusive kind of store uh, and that's what he kind of wanted to model Supreme from. So I think I think that's really cool. Like the success of it, it wasn't really planned. It's very skate, very skater culture in that sense. Like its success, you know, was very like slow and hard work. And I just think it's it's really cool that you know he you know he worked sell he was selling clothing designed by um, Stussy. Is it Sean Stussy? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Where I'm probably called Stussy. I, Stussy. I had a lot of Stussy, Stussy. t-shirts growing Stussy. up, and that's had a reemergence given that the '90s is back in vogue. Yeah, uh, the but, umlaut. Yeah, it's, it's a great logo. <laughs> yeah, but then over time, he he wanted to run his own shop, and this is kind of what we see today with with Supreme. So now it's in you know multiple cities. I, I think it's just a really interesting story. It's huge in China, evidently, according to what I saw on the internet. Japan, most recently in the U.S. You know, multiple retail locations, as we talked about, they release new products all the time. You know, uh, on their website on Thursday mornings in Europe and America, and Saturday mornings in Japan. So this is all like. I don't know. It's this is one of the reasons why we're talking about it. I must say, also, uh, Chaz, the red box logo. We can't talk about the red box logo without talking about Barbara Kruger, who originally designed it. Evidently, so this red box logo that we've all come to know and love. Yep. I'm yep. sure everybody has seen it. That white future, heavy oblique, is based on uh, Barbara Kruger's propaganda art. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of people have an issue with this. I say, all is fair in love art and war but other people may disagree so anyway yeah i mean that was an iconic sort of look coming out of uh sort of new york of the 80s yeah um right and even like uh, it's a slight you know david carson was an iconic designer at the time uh he's of a slightly different look but there was this, that sort of punchy sans serif modern uh modern look with a postmodern, i guess uh spin is definitely um you know, in, in the Supreme DNA, uh, just going back to the numbers you sort of touched on. Yeah. So yeah. it was numbers. one of the reasons we are doing this. Yeah. The company was acquired, uh, by VF corporation, which I mentioned earlier, uh, who also, who also owns the North face, Timberland and Vans, as well as workwear brands like Dickies and Napa Pajiri. Whoa. Uh, um, so acquiring Supreme for 2.1 bill. Now that's the, with a B bro. The B now with a B. Apparently, the, the web store generates 60% of its revenue. In 2022, um, according to the press release, Supreme is expected to add at least $500 million in revenue to VF's bottom line. So that's pretty significant. Now, one of the reasons it's in the culture, Supreme as a, what it's become known for is its collabs. Like it pairs up with other yeah. brands. Before, sell, before collabs were big too. Before they were big, yeah, no real rhyme or reason. And and some reviewers, uh, High Snobiety, uh, we'll, we'll talk about that in a bit. It they have quite a scathing review of its sort of sadomasochistic relationship that has the brand has with its fans. But it's gone. It's mm. everything from Supreme has partnered with Stone Island, North Face, Mowax, Fender Stratocaster, you know the iconic guitar model. 
um, that yeah. you can get a supreme version of that. Damien Hurst, who is probably, I don't know, acclaimed, but he's, he's certainly acclaimed, but he is probably the perhaps the most notorious modern artist in the world. He did a, um, a collab with them, uh, you know, a couple of years back in 2009. Uh, the Stern Pinball Machine, Nike SB Dunks in 2002. They had a great a dirt bike with Honda in 2019, as well as Louis Vuitton in 2017. So there's a range of these different things. And, and a quote for the, I was mentioning from Hyacinabiety was the brand uh, in releasing a branded brick which sold out in minutes. It was literally a brick that had the Supreme logo and, and Hyacinabiety said it, Supreme has a sadomasochistic relationship with its fans according to the BBC. So yeah. it is, we've got this uh, I guess unrequited loyalty that the the brand seems to have with its fans, and I think at at the essence of that is the fact that it seems to be an, an incredibly authentic brand. It's it you know who knows if that's going to remain the same, but it had the people who made the brand really lived that authentic sort of state, skater slash streetwear modern hype beast uh, persona. So I think that's why it's contributed to is contributed to its continued relevance. Frankly, yeah. Well, I got a question for you. So. You know, I started to look like 80 bucks for a t-shirt. Yeah, you know, you talk about co weird, bizarre collabs. They collaborated with Band-Aid, the, the, the brand Band-Aid, mm. to make Supreme Band-Aids. The pack's 35 bucks. They, they collaborated with Ziploc, mm. you know, the Ziploc baggies that yeah. we all know and love. 35 bucks a box for those. Hanes, you know, Hanes, we all, you know, com comfy, <laughs> yeah. comfy. You know, bread and butter brand, you know, find it at Target. You know, a pack of Hanes socks, 80 bucks. Oof. And then it got we got weirder. A snorkel set, <laughs> 215 bucks, a snorkel set. So I love the idea of, you know, the art form and like cool, like graphic tees. And like, I've been part of like things like that. And that's cool. But like, there's this moment where I'm like, wait, 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 a Band-Aid and like a Ziploc bag, like for, and people willing to pay that much money for that. It's almost like, Let's just see how much people will pay if we slap this on anything. That's how it seems, but I'm not saying that's what it is. But I guess my question then to you, with all that stuff, what makes something, quote, supreme? Like, what, what to you, Chaz, what's the red thread into the decision-making to, for example, collaborate with a sneaker, but then a Ziploc bag, and then a Band-Aid, and then maybe a snorkel set, and then, then Louis Vuitton? You know, it's almost like they're, they're going be, they're, they're showing how far they can go from the lowbrow, right? Mm, yep. To a, you know, even a brick, like you said, to things quite highbrow like Louis Vuitton. Anyway. Yeah, I think, well, first of all, they're like a brand like the Stone Island, North Face, yeah. Fender, um, Rimova, which is the, the, the iconic German luxury, um, you know, luggage brand. They These are sort of, I guess you would say that the expected meat and potatoes brands that they might partner with, they're all high-end brands by their own right and, and a collab with Supreme sort of makes sense. But I do think yeah. as part of the edgy authenticity and with a sprinkle of anti-establishment thrown in along with the paprika, there is this absurd, <laughs> <laughs> there is this absurdist irony that does, um, I guess, strike a chord with the with youth culture. It's like there is a certain edginess to mm -hmm. partnering with Ziploc bags or, or selling a branded brick. It's sort of off the wall, and this is an artifact, or, or, or in band aids. People are like, wow, isn't that? It's ridiculous, but it's kind of part of the charm. 
right? Like yeah. I know I play, paid a lot for it, but I mean, talk about the talk worthiness of that. I can talk about that my friend, you know, this is the old a fool and his money are soon parted. But I do think there is there is some talk worthy and there is some, I guess, value from being in possession of that artifact as opposed to just buying buying sort of cookie cutter luxury like buying a Porsche, if that makes sense. Well, yeah. What's interesting is I think it shows, I think what they're demonstrating almost in broad daylight is how valuable the brand is. You can mm -hmm. put it on anything and a lot of luxury brands do this. I'm just, what's interesting to them is they, they make, they do things that are, you know, not what you would typically see other luxury brands do as co as collabs. So it's just interesting to me. So maybe, maybe we, we jump into the, uh, the five reasons. Sure. So oh, actually, no, no, you were saying you were going to talk, we were going to talk about why the acquisition. Did you want to talk about that? Yeah, sure. I mean, yeah. I think from, from the VF Corp perspective, you know, there is this sort of, uh, there's an expectation that the company will try and grow the customer base. I mean, right now, oh, it's yeah, yeah, pretty yeah. niche. Yeah. So I think they're, they're looking to brands like, you know, one of their own brands in their stable, uh, the North Face could provide something of a model to, to grow the, the base. You know, North Face has partnered with a range of different organizations, you know, from its Nupsy uh, Puffers and Shell Jackets, also released a, sh a string of collabs this year with Gucci, Braindead, Maison Margiela, I think I'm saying that right, hopefully, and mm -hmm. MM6, Vans uh, also is another sort of brand that is um, – really flourished on a, on a mass scale with collabs, whether it's Star Wars, the Beatles, you, you name it, right? So mm -hmm. I, I think th this brand, Supreme, I do think is probably ready to to scale even more than it has. It's still pretty niche. It's it's a niche luxury brand for, for youth. And I think mm -hmm. there's probably the opportunity to make it, you know, to, to shoot for the stars and become sort of much more scalable. So I think that's probably the genesis of mm -hmm. this acquisition but uh you know we'll see how it goes and you know th there is always that with any sort of fashion brand there is um the chance of overexposure and you know like I, I didn't even realize this a brand like ben sherman which is that british um it's sort of a british sort of mod uh mod brand that was sort of big sort of late 90s early 2000s uh, a, a colleague of mine he said he was in london and he was wearing a ben sherman shirt and they did, wouldn't even let him into the bar they said, no, that's too, it's either too lowbrow or too chabby, Ooh, I believe. The term. So it, it's weird, like, but even um, Burberry, Burberry's reclaimed its back. They had a beautiful spot last week, but they, oh, yeah. um, for a period, they, they were sort of nicknamed Chavberry. Chavberry, I mean, Chav, uh, I'm, I'm not an English person. My best, it, it's sort of like a, an uncouth, I don't want to say redneck, but like a, an unrefined person. Um, mm. So you know there was all those knockoffs of of the that famous Burberry tartan. So it was sort of the the brand has reclaimed, I guess, its DNA. And I think there there is definitely the risk of being you know Louis Vuittons that had this as well when knockoffs become mainstream. So I think mm -hmm. you know Supreme is probably staring down the barrel of that a little bit, but we'll see how it pans out. But who knows if this acquisition acquisition well, will work. What's interesting is it is a it is an interesting case in brand equity. It's an interesting like case study uh, history of brand equity. But just to your point, Heise Roth, he's a principal at H A Roth Consulting. He talked about this acquisition, saying, uh, "While in terms of lifestyle brands and authenticity get over get used and abused by a lot in our industry, a quick scan of the 
the VF, that's the, the VF corporation that, that bought them, confirms that each of their acquisitions have been able to retain the integrity of the original brand DNA, yet still comfortably fit within uh, VF's family. Uh, of all their ex- their products, activewear, accessories, etc. So, I think they've had a history of you know acquiring but having a light touch and letting the brand kind of stay intact. Uh, that's mm-hmm. what their history has said. So that gives me a little bit of hope. And maybe those who are who are hyper fans of of Supreme don't don't worry quite yet. You know, this might be actually a good thing. Who knows? Or it could be the Disney and Star Wars. Who knows? <laughs> uh yeah. I mean, a uh, hyper. F- I guess is my question to you. A uh, hyper fans. Of Supreme called Hyper Beasts. Oh, I think we just invented a new category. Uh, who knows? We shall see. So m- maybe they'll ca- they'll cater to the Hyper Beast culture. Hyper. Oh, Hyper Beasts. <laughs> it's coined here, just so you know. In twenty years, just so you know, that podcast in two thousand twenty. No, whatever. <laughs> It's an extreme version of the coined hype. by Britain Chaz <laughs> way back in a podcast. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> That's one just can only a hype beast who's had six Red Bulls. Um, so yeah. jump, <laughs> jumping into the five reasons why, oh. I think the first reason um, calling this the savviness of scarcity. Oh, now, yeah. James Jebbia, we talked about you know, as the founder. He was quoted in saying that Supreme. Um, Supreme releases will never be classified as quote unquote limited, but he also notes that they make short runs of their products because they don't want to be stuck with stuff nobody wants, frankly, and which is a very smart sort of business, um, you know, business decision to make. And this, you know, it probably limits the brand's overexposure and, and chance of, I guess, counterfeit products. But at the same time, you know, keeping it limited the way, you know, for example, a brand like um, Kanye West and the Yeezy line oh, yeah. has done with Adidas has yep. made the demand very strong. We, you know, we're well known of the, these lines. Every time a Supreme, you know, product drops, people are lining up to get, you know, to get it, frankly. So the fact that he has been very savvy with keeping the product runs very limited to make sure the brand can, you know, remains in demand is pretty, is, is a pretty smart move. You got any thoughts on that? It just reminds me of like when I was in ad school, you know, I started as a designer art director and what was always interesting is when we would talk about product, we would talk about, Oh, show to make a product more valuable, you only do one. When you when you show a lot of products all together, it devalues them. Yeah. That's why you don't see well, and I think Apple's starting to change this, but you know, before you would see one iPhone or you would see one iPad, or you you know, now that it's kind of everybody has one, that 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 argument doesn't hold water anymore. But this idea that like if you have a limited amount of things, that's why when you go to Chaz, when we go to like, if you go to like a really boutique, like men's or women's clothing store, they don't, they're not, they're not stacking the shelves with every single, you know, waistline and, and length, right? They're showing like one or two or, you know, one sweater. And there's a strategy to that. Our brains think, oh, if there's a limited amount of them, it must be worth more. It brings up the price. So they've used this in a really interesting sweet spot. And I think, you know, this extends to their Instagram. Their Instagram is more of like a gallery space than, than anything. And um, I, in fact, I have a quote about this f- directly from James here. He says, uh, we don't want people to think uh, we're a tricky, hard to get brand, but we can only make so many things. He says the hat factory we use can only make so many hats. So, so I think to your point, they don't want to have an excess of stuff. They mm-hmm. don't want to have stuff on the shelves, but I think they've gone to that other place, that other extreme where it's like, wow, gosh, I got to, I got to be like Saturday morning or Thursday morning. I got to be online right at this time to get this. Just like the easy drops, like you said, you know, sure. can a, can a homeboy 
like me get a pair of yeezy wave runner 700s for less than 300 bucks no i can't mm -hmm. because i can't find them and i can't i can't get them before uh, all the other uh, hype beasts get them and then resell them on ebay it's the same thing so that that scarcity model is fragile but they've really been able to uh nail it totally no i very much it's it's sort of if the eulogy for supreme was ever was ever going to be written that they've they've the fact that they've played the scarcity card seems to be to the brand's advantage versus a brand which actually didn't go scarcity, probably was overexposed and expanded too quickly, and that was um, a brand like American Apparel. I mean, that had its own challenges with you know a very controversial oh, yeah. CEO and founder, right. but at the same time, uh, it, it did grow too quickly. It was it was in every, even on their bags, they had all the cities that 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 store was in, and it sort of face financial hardship a lot quicker than it perhaps should have given how relevant a brand it was. So mm -hmm. on to number two, yep. call this cultural currency or it could be called authenticity. Mm -hmm. And this is one of those lightning in a bottle issues. A, a brand that tries to manufacture authenticity is, is probably going to flame out. We've seen it sort of time after time, but a brand that was actually made by, you know, made for skaters by skaters in that street culture scene in the early nineties. Um, it, it, it adds to the authenticity of the brand. It means the brand is legit. It's not like a poser brand made by a giant corporation to try and connect with a certain youth cohort. It's actually made by that youth co cohort itself. So I think, you know, from partnering with, you know, a controversial photographer like Terry Richardson, getting, you know, sports stars like, like controversial guy himself, Antonio Brown, to uh, wear an Oakland Raiders yeah. when he was there for, you know, 10 minutes. I was, um, I was actually surprised to find out that the very first employees of the first Supreme store mm -hmm. were extras in Larry Clark's film Kids. Oh Written really? By, yeah, Harmony Corinne. Harmony huh. Corinne is a you know controversial guy in his own in his own mind. He's made some very controversial movies. Shout out to my friend Chase. We've uh, debated at length about Spring Breakers. I, I, I hate to report that you're wrong on that, Chase, but uh, but you are my friend. I, I still love <laughs> you though. Uh, no, but he, he, the the, the quote that he said. He said easy adapters. I think he meant easy or early adopters to a kind of dissonance where you have several different things uh, on the cultural spectrum that are all connected by a kind of aesthetic or vibe. And I yeah. think that that is sort of the genesis of the, I guess, the, the supreme ethos, which seems to hold true to this day. So they, they started really slow, right? They did a couple things and then they tried a hoodie. The hoodies worked and then they tried a fitted cap and that worked. And then the, those, like we were saying before, those collaborations came early on and with artists making, you know, they made work for skateboard decks and then as well, you know, t-shirts and other clothing and then painter there, you know, painters are credited with Supreme's intimacy with all of that. You know, you know, they say um, a lot of people don't really understand that this is really a small group of people just doing what they want to do working on an original idea which is you know at its core it's a skate shop and um i think they've kept that integrity also i see here the strategy officer thomas ordahl uh, of L landor and fitch i feel like everybody everybody we reference always has like difficult names to, to <laughs> I, like i or i'm just bad at names but he said supreme's cultural currency like you said Chaz, cultural currency and cachet will only contribute to uh, vf's accelerating growth across his portfolio and increasing its relevancy with gen z consumers i mean he's like probably looking at this with dollar signs but obviously cultural currency is a fragile thing it can be mm -hmm. misused 
it can be abused and then it goes away. So we'll see what happens with that. But I, th- I, I do think that, you know, their, their story is quite organic and at their core, they are a skate shop. And I think that's why they've been able to stay culturally current. And I think, you know, coming out of that, um, the next one, I'm calling it crossover. Uh, the fact yeah, yeah, yeah. that and there's a really good quote, um, about from James again, James Jebbia is that uh, shows how the brand is in the zeitgeist. He said, my thing has always been that the clothing we make is kind of like music. There are always critics that don't understand that young people can be into Bob Dylan, but also into the Wu-Tang Clan and Coltrane and social distortion. Young people and skaters are very, very open-minded to music, to art, to many things. And that allowed us to make things with an open mind. And, And that's interesting because so many brands, I think, oh, we sell, you know, this type of widget. We sell T-shirts. We sell hats. You know, this brand has sort of been been more about, like, let's experiment with that ethos. Like, if we were edgy, street, of the moment, diverse, what would we experiment with? And I think in terms of the, the collabs that they've done, it does reflect that, I guess, eclectic nature of the curiosity of youth. So I think uh, they've done a great job with that. And the fact that they've, they've not said we are remaining a skate brand, we are sort of right. more of a broader sort of uh, zeitgeist brand speaks to its enduring relevance. You know, one could argue is it started as a kind of a male focused merchandise, but, you know, it's it's been really cool to see. And I think this reflects culture, how, uh, you know, mirroring, you know, the rise of girl skaters and youth culture, you know, the genderless approach to dressing and living. Yeah. Supreme's couched right there you know it is at that nexus right there so you know whether that's you know uh off-duty models posing on instagram with themselves lounging partying whatever you know in supreme only kind of fuels that fire as a lifestyle thing but i think it is part of that it, you know it, it it's not overly gendered which i think is you know for youth culture is really uh, interesting you know anybody can wear it so i think that i think that's part of this uh zeitgeist absolutely and i think that's a nice sort of segue into yeah. number four which i'm calling the skater dna. dna yeah if you think of you know skaters you know the, the discipline of skating which has really sort of exploded lord town um the z boys and Dogtown, rather um you know the tony alva the jay adams tony hawk all these guys uh, you know tr- uh, stacy peralta there's there's definitely a youth counterculture vibe to the discipline of skating and sort of brought to New York, which is when it sort of launched in the, in the nineties, it definitely represented that sort of countercultural vibe. And, you know, skaters, you know, have always had that sort of anti-establishment mentality, but also an enduring coolness, right? Like, you know, creative titans mm-hmm. in recent years, certainly Spike Jones, uh, you know, Jason Lee, the actor, a lot of these guys started as, as skaters, right? A, a yeah. brand like Vans, you know, also owned by um, VF Corp, ha- have this enduring cultural relevance, even though they perhaps that's not what they're best known for anymore. So I think the skater DNA does fit, like there's a certain, I guess, um, edgy, edgy toughness to it that mm-hmm. makes the brand feel more credible than if it was sort of just uh, made by, I guess, a bunch of soft boys in New York. Any <laughs> thoughts on that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Jebby has said himself, he's like, I've always really liked what's coming out of the skate world. That's kind of his his fountain, right? Mm. It was always less commercial. It, uh, it had more of an edge and a FU type of stuff stuff and I, that's you know skater very punk rock also but i think skate culture is deep in this dna right and i just love 
you know, it's just that we're going to do what we want. We don't care about rules. It doesn't, you know, what we did yesterday is fine, but we're going to do something different. And it's always this kind of this quick of, you know, we're, we're just going to always kind of, you know, when, when you think we're going to zig, we're going to zag. And that, that, that just kind of undergirding cr contrarian, you know, I used to skate as a, as a, you know, as a teenager, but you know, I always was very conscientious of, you know, I was riding the bus in San Francisco before, before COVID. Right. And there was all these skaters who were probably like, I don't know, 18, 17, 18, 19. And they were all just talking about, Oh, that, you know, that like Ridge, that curve right at like, you know, second and blah, 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 whatever. And mm. it was just, it was just, they were just street talking of every little fun spot in the city. And for a skater, like, they view the world completely different, you know? And I just think that's like really, really interesting. You know, I always had this problem of, I had this poser issue, mm. I guess, you know? And like, I feel yeah, like- what, what do you mean had? Ouch. I'm, I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking. My <laughs> uh, you, mean, you mean I can't wear? No, I'm just kidding. I don't even know what a poser <laughs> would be. Well, here's the thing. It's like, if this is a skater brand, I would personally- I wore skater shoes after I stopped skateboarding for a while. And then I was like, I shouldn't do this. Like this isn't, I don't get to wear this because I don't do this anymore. And there was something about it. And maybe this is like a, people don't think about this anymore, but there, to me, when I saw when I was looking online, I was seeing all the celebrities that wear that have worn, you know, Supreme. If this is a skater brand at its ethos, like I would feel like a poser. Like I don't own any, I don't own any Supreme. I think it's interesting. I think it's a cool thing, but like I wouldn't wear it because I feel like I'm just kind of, I'm not part of that culture and I, I don't, I don't want to pretend to be, and I'm not even part of that lifestyle and I'm not going to pretend to be. To me, I have a reverence for it, I guess. No, I'm with you. I, I think there is a subtle distinction between like a legit skateboarding brand, like, like Globe or, you know, it, it certainly in the 90s, even like Palace Skateboards, which is out of London, which a lot of celebrities, yeah. jo Jonah Hill wears that a lot. Um, I, I think they have morphed into being less about just for, you know, skate, you know, hardcore skaters, more sure. sort of a lifestyle brands. There's been that more of that confluence of, of the styles. So once That's upon cool. a time, I think if one was wearing these, you know, hardcore, you know, those nineties, nineties, uh, skate shoes were, they, they looked like legit skate shoes. Like they didn't look right. like fashion sneakers at all. They were chunky, but like very chunky for the, yeah. the street. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think now pe there has been that, I guess, cultural permission or that, you know, <laughs> growing disinhibition to being okay to, to wear this brand without being called like a, a fraud or a poser or these wow, kinds of things. That's so, great. Yeah. Ned, that's so great because- a game, my friend. Last, last little personal anecdote. I tried to bring them back. You know, I was like in, I was 20, let's see, I was 27 and I bought a pair of uh, Airwalks. Oh yeah, and they were great. They had the they had the air pocket, which I don't know how they ever got away with. I don't know how the skate brands ever got away with showing air pockets like Nike, but they did. Yeah. And I was like, these are sweet. This is great. They support. You know, they're 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 durable. And um, I was told that I looked like a twelve year old, so I, I took them back. But uh, this is maybe a new this is a new uh, chapter for me, a new permission to bring back the skate shoes. I think so. Embrace it. Anyway, yeah. All right, uh, moving on. Sorry. So yeah, moving on. No worries. Uh, so the next one I'm calling youth. 
um, the fact that it's connected to youth culture. There's a bit of crossover from the zeitgeist laden and, and the scattered sure, DNA. Sure. Oh, yeah. But, uh, a quote from um, Harmony Corinne, who's that director I mentioned earlier. Yeah. Um, you know, they've kept, Supreme has kept strong because youth propels the culture and they are always on the side of the youth. You can't fake that. And I think that's nope. the important thing because try as you might, no brand can. Like you can say we want to connect with these people and, and they may well do it, but people are drawn to authenticity for better or for better or worse. And the fact that Supreme has been in that coal face, I, I think is, you know, has contributes to its enduring relevance, which has, you know, been uh, several decades now, frankly. You know, I think also has done that really well, that it has come from that is still a huge corporate is Nike. Mm. I feel like Nike has somehow I agree. They still they still pull it off, and it's beyond just their advertising, right? Like all props yeah. to their ad their ad campaigns and their TV spots. That's great. They're telling great stories, but you know they have they have stayed street relevant in a way that I never thought they would do that. You know, twenty years ago, I would have been like, oh yeah, Nike. You know, it's athletic. It's it's what I used for my baseball cleats or my 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 soccer cleats or whatever. But like or my basketball shoes. But they have remained. They kind of came into that. Also, you know, with the with the Air Force Ones, you know, yeah. and sneaker culture being so intertwined with hip hop culture, that there's something really interesting about that. I don't, I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on that? How Nike's done that? Yeah, That's and awesome. I, you know, I, I literally just finished um, Shoe Dog, oh. uh, Phil Knight's autobiography, which I, I highly recommend. It, it's um, it's a wonderful book, and I almost had that. You know, you, you mentioned earlier you didn't want to you almost respect something too much to do it. Like I, I've had this book yeah. since 2016 and, I, <laughs> and, and, you know, as someone, you know, my first love was shoes athletic Me and it's too. still, yeah. it has not changed. It, it's only grown stronger. Like every day, that's why I look at shoes. It's, it's like my, I wouldn't even call it a guilty pleasure. I'm, I'm out loud and proud about it. I'm obsessed. You with and shoes. I both, we, sh we exchange messages on it. Yeah, we do all the time. And uh, I was, so I read this and, you know, I've been sort of perusing a, the Nike side as a result, just, you know, and just what you touched on then, the fact that Nike has become somewhat of a fashion brand and, you know, back in the day, you they would have might have shown, you know, whether it's LeBron and um, various other sort of, you know, Serena Williams, you know, famous sports stars right. flying their trade. But now if you look at some where a lot of their shoes are, it, the, the people dressing it almost look like they're, they, they could be supreme models. They're right. very sort of, you know, plugged into culture. They almost look like hip hop artists themselves a lot of the time. So it's just, um, they've done a really good job staying relevant. I know that Mark Parker, who was Phil Knight's predecessor as CEO, I think he joined in 2005. Phil, Phil retired in 2004. Mark mm. Parker was a designer. Um, and he, uh -huh. there's this legendary photo um, of him in his office. He has like literally like it's called lowbrow art, like street art. He has like, you know, all these trinkets and different paraphernalia that celebrate sort of lowbrow and highbrow art as well as this weird picture of Keith Richards. So, <laughs> I mean, you know, he, he's – his office kind of looked like the office of like Casey Neistat or something. Oh yeah, he's very like an edgy creator. So that's cool. Yeah, Nike has done a great job, and and I think you know Supreme. You know who knows if Supreme wants to emulate Nike? Different category, I know, but in terms of its enduring relevance and that spirit of reinvention, we'll, we'll see how it nets out. I mean, the good news is is that the founder still leads it. I think there's there'll be just an additional pressure to make back on that yep. big check that they wrote to him. So or to them. Sure. Um, sure. Anyway, so, so yeah, number six. I want to um, talk about this. I'm calling this distinct. Yeah. Now, 
any brand, a, a well-known um, book called How Brands Grow by um, a New Zealand professor at the University of South Australia, his name is Byron Sharp. He coined this, I don't know if he coined it, but he popularized this term of distinctive assets. Now, and he, what he means by this, in, in order for brands to flourish, they have to be recognizable. They have to be mm -hmm. mentally and physically available. And that could be in the form of a logo, like the Nike swoosh or the McDonald's golden arches, or an iconic, the iconic bottle silhouette of the Coke bottle. Um, it could be a color, like the Robin's Egg Blue for Tiffany's or, or Magenta for T-Mobile. Now, when you think of a lot of luxury brands, they don't have that. that you know, like they have a logo, they have a, a brand recognition, but a lot of the time they're, I guess, their distinctive assets are sort of understated. You know, mm -hmm. like whether it's, mm -hmm. it's uh, J. Crew, they, they don't really have a logo; they have, have sort of a word mark. But other brands, even Gucci has a logo, but it, the Gucci logo is not on all of its stuff. You know, um, same mm -hmm. with Scotch and Soda. A lot of these sort of newish brands, the Supreme logo is loud and proud. It's so instantly yeah. recognizable. They even do out-of-home ads They ha here in San Francisco. Just that iconic red box. And my friend Toby, shout out to you, my friend. Uh, he was Toby! Saying, it's under-designed. It's, it's in, in the best possible way. Like, it's so um, legible, to which makes it even sort of of more enduring relevance. So the fact that it is so distinct, I think, contributes to its ongoing, I guess, cultural relevance. Yeah, I think what's interesting about that is they've actually started to deviate you know usually brands really protect you can do a lot of stuff but you just don't mess with the logo right yeah and they've just started to do exactly that the opposite of that they they found this equity in their logo and then they started to mess with that and use it as their own art you know i guess nike started to do that too but like yeah i mean i've always been like a brand less guy like i, I, I never liked labels but like and i think gen z and what's interesting to me is gen z in particular, and maybe this is changing again, but there was this era, there was this time, Chaz, where lo wearing big logos was not that cool. It was kind of yeah. gaudy. And somehow Supreme seems to have survived through that. And they have just been like, no, this is it. Boom. Like, this is our logo. We're going to mess with it. We're going to F with it. We're going to do whatever. Other brands have been like, oh, you want, you know, big swoosh? Oh, no, no, small swoosh. Tommy Hilfiger? Oh, no, 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 not just little, yeah. little, you know, little, little, uh, little flag in the, you know, in the corner or on the sleeve or whatever. So it's been interesting to see how brands, including Supreme, have used their, you know, used their logo as part of their, you know, back to my thing is what makes Supreme Supreme besides just putting a label on it? Is it more quality? I think it is more quality. That's what I've heard. I've never owned anything from Supreme. Is it a little bit like if I had a Supreme sweatshirt, you know, you and I are wearing like a crew neck sweatshirts, right? If so, I had a Supreme one, is that going to feel a little bit different, a little bit more distinct than just, you know, a Hanes sweatshirt or a champion, for example? Well, I think it comes back to the idea behind the garment. Right. right, like, and a lot of the time is you, you buy into the ethos. Like, you, you look at a brand like, um, like you know, Columbia Sportswear versus Patagonia. Right. Now, yeah. the ingredients of that fleece are pr all, probably ninety eight percent identical. You know, the, people might say, "Well, the Patagonia one's better quality." It may or may not be. It, it probably sure. is, but Patagonia can pay a premium because 
they have that similarly to Supreme, they have that authenticity of, you know, yep. being sort of pro environment, you know, you know, being very progressive, you know, protect mother earth. We're going to limit our carbon footprint. You know, that they're very provocative the way they have an environmental angle slant on all the stuff they do. Columbia sort of less so, you know, they're just more of a commodity. Columbia is actually a much bigger brand, like in terms of sales, but the passion generated by a Patagonia is streets ahead of a brand like Columbia, which is seen as more sort of, I guess, uh, you know, basic um, functional as opposed to sort of aspirational. So I, I think it really does come back to the individual. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. when, when you mentioned um, something like a brick, I, I do think Supreme literally selling a brick, it, it comes back to the sort of personality who would buy that. I think they would have it on their mantle as, as a – as a thought piece and with the resale value of the scarcity of a lot of supreme products it's probably not a bad investment frankly in probably 10 years it's probably worth a bit oh yeah 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 totally it, it yeah it's interesting I, the snorkel thing i i'm gonna have to dwell on because i can't figure out why they would do that it's almost because they're doing it because they could do it so sure. um, but well, shout out to Gert Boyle, the, the found one of the founders <laughs> of uh, of Columbia. Yeah. When she passed away, I think you know the soul did leave the body of Columbia, but they're you know they're still there. <laughs> anyway, shout out to Gert. Yeah, she was she was one of my case studies in in uh, in undergrad. So, but her in she, Columbia. I want to give a shout out to the word Gert, which actually Gertrude. Oh. Well, well, there's that I know, but you wouldn't know this, and I wouldn't blame you for not knowing it. The word Gert features in the Australian national anthem our home is girt by sea which is what does that mean one Next can only year. assume surrounded by so mm. you know make of it what you will i i've not recently googled the meaning of the word girt g-i-r-t but I, I probably will after this pod ends. So just to recap Let's on the recap it. Life, the uh, number one, the savviness of scarcity. Number two, the authenticity and the cult cultural currency. Number three, it's cross. It's a crossover brand in the zeitgeist. Number four, the skater DNA. Number five, the youth, uh, unequivocal youth, the spirit of that brand. And number six, it is distinct with that iconic red box and its <laughs> utilization. <laughs> All right, Brett, patron saints, who have you got, my friend? Patron saints. I didn't do my homework on this oh, one. Oh, all good. So you talk no to me. Sure. I mean, I, I threw in J.R. Smith I mentioned earlier because uh, – Oh, yeah. Not, not that he's think he got paid? Did no, he no. I, he's, he's an odd cat. Like, he, yeah. he, he always has his shirt off. Like, he just lo he loves getting his gear off. He's an odd, he's an odd gut, dark. Um, he's a great shooter. LeBron, LeBron must Fro be good he froze. He froze up in that game one. Yeah. though. I was, I was there. Yeah. I saw him. I could hear Ooh. LeBron say, "Do something." You with man, you know. So Bill Simmons, the basketball guy, he literally wrote the book of basketball. Yeah. He said that game is the best. He's he's been in person at a like at a game. The best performance he's seen by a single person. I believe LeBron scored either forty out of fifty points. So that that was game. One, one of the 20, 2018 finals. Yeah, 2018 yep. finals at Oracle. So that was a remarkable game. Um, so shout out to JR. I want to say Pharrell. Pharrell. I want to say Pharrell. Um, you know, he's a bit of a multi-hyphenate. He's also, uh, you know, he's done many things. He's a producer, he's a singer, he's a rapper. You know, he, he actually collabs himself. Uh, he's made a line of sneakers for Adidas. Adidas, yeah. Uh, Adidas, rather. Um, and he's also, he's in his 40s and he looks like 19. 
So that in vampire. Yeah, that enduring youth, I think, um, and forever young spirit certainly fits with the supreme uh, mentality. I also want to say um, I discovered a guy called, I, I hope his name is this, Sage Elsa, Elsessa rather, Sage Elsessa, and he is, a, I guess, a modern interpretation of that supreme uh, ethos. He's in a lot of the supreme ads. And, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's, a, he's a model, he's a skateboarder, rapper, record producer, artist, and model. So I want to say J.R. Smith, Pharrell, and Sage, uh, three of my patron saints. Um, Boom. So, Brett, who you got and, for Sonic Embodiment? Uh, I was going to go with, I got two, Travis Scott, Goosebumps. I think that song is really, I don't know, I think I think about Supreme when I, when I hear Goosebumps by Travis Scott. Uh, ASAP Rocky, Praise the Lord, also are my two. Do you got ones? Yeah, I, I was doing some digging and Omar Apollo and his latest song Kamikaze sort of jumped out. Um, he's a bit of a critical darling right now. His most recent album was described as a kaleidoscope of sound from 70s funk to, to more modern sort of instrumental. Mm. And he just seemed... Um, you know, he's of, of Mexican ancestry. You know, he grew up, you know, he's, a, he's an American kid. I think he grew up in Ohio. He, he just seems to be one of those. Um, he dresses very flamboyantly. He's got a he's got blue hair, but he's he's edgy and masculine, but, you know, he's sort of fresh. So I, I think he, he, for me, and this song Kamikaze sort of really fits with the, the, the spirit of Supreme, I guess. That's cool. Uh, what else we got? That's it. I, well, I'll, I'm going to, oh, 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 hold up, hold up. Uh -oh. You know, we got to do print. What okay. are we going to do? We got to start doing giveaways. Ooh. Yeah. You know, like we'll send people a Supreme t-shirt and a, uh, a little, a little extra furious, curious gift to listeners. I think we need to start doing that. So yeah, well, we have, we have, um, bath mats in production because well, we were sort of torn between doing bath mats and doormats. Right. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> I just well no. If anyone's interested about the type of merch that we should be churning yes. out, please do because we're happy. You know, we've talked about hats at a certain point. Uh, what we're else? So we working about? on the hats. We've we've yeah. gone through about 160 iterations. It's not quite right. No, oh, but yeah. even if it's even if it's relevant to the topic, sure. So I mean, yeah. will I be able to talk you off the ledge of of a pork pie hat? I mean, my I, I want to go the Panama. <laughs> Uh, I would. I'd rather go a Panama hat. Your your team pork pie. So that's another in joke to my friend Chase. <laughs> I was talking to about pork pie hats yesterday. So, Chase, you better be uh, you better be atting us like crazy after this one. <laughs> yes, Chase. Indeed. Chase, we're, we're working on your episode still. So yeah. to 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 come to come. Yeah. Um, I do have speed. Uh, we do have a ooh. Hold on, just scrubbing here. Uh, Red Raven, the Maven ninety four asks chaz what's your favorite supreme item mm, do you own it well, well, yeah, what's your favorite first we'll start there i i don't own any um look I, i'm a classic guy if i was to ever partake which you know frankly you know I, i'm probably a little old too but if i was it would be something pretty basic like i saw a guy i was at a, sort of a social distance drinks the other day he had like a cool like a just a pretty normal trucker hat, uh, Supreme trucker hat. He, you know, it looked quite cool. Uh, I might get one of the white T-shirts. You know, if someone gave it to me, I'd probably – I might wear it once any, every blue moon. But it's it, like it's just – if I was to wear something by Supreme, me being me, I would be mocked mercilessly because people would think I'm joking. 
right? Like they would think I'm wearing it. You know, if I imagine if I walked in and to see you, I mean, you'd be like, you'd say, stop the presses. Like, hold, hold the phone. What is going on? It depends. It depends on what it is. You know, I think yeah. you could pull off. I'm looking here. You could. I'm looking at stadium goods. They have quite a, a trove, actually. You could pull off the waist bag or what we used to call the fanny pack. Okay. Okay. Yep. But it's too. It's going to set you back 155. I would wear the trail camp cap, which okay. is about as me as you can get. Just slap a logo on it. Um, so we'll, you know, thinking about that. So red Raven, the Maven 94, thank you for your question, but that, uh, that's it today. We're going to keep it. We're gonna keep it short and sweet, high and tight, whatever you want to say. Uh, you're listening to the furious curious hosted and produced by me, Britton Rice and my esteemed colleague here, Charlie Quark from San Francisco, California. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at the underscore furious underscore curious and on Twitter at the FRS CRS. We welcome your comments, insults, constructive feedback, as well as suggestions on what we should do next. Yes. And you can troll us. We love trolls. Troll us. Make fun of us for all the things we mispronounced. Call us out. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, anyway, uh, until next time, stay curious. Out. Just make them drop